Welcome to the Banking Bunch Podcast, your go-to podcast for navigating the not-so-complex world of finances and real estate. I'm your host, Casey Freeman, and today we kick off our series with a critical topic, understanding your financial landscape. So buckle up as we embark on this journey towards home ownership. Now, before we dive in, I just want to let you guys know a little bit about myself. I'm a journalist and realtor here to help you learn, understand, and navigate the home buying process. I've been a journalist for five years and a realtor for four years. Now, even though I can help any and everyone buy, sell, or invest in Middle Tennessee, my heart hugs the first-time home buyers a little bit tighter. Now, this is a true disclaimer right here. I am not a CPA or an accountant. I am a woman who enjoys learning, talking, and encouraging others to become financially free. Now, let's get right into the episode about why financial readiness is the most important part in the home buying process. You see, your financial health basically lays the foundation for a successful home buying journey. You see what I did there? Lays the foundation? Building a house? Got it? Okay, so let's take control of your finances and get started right now. Now, this process is like taking a snapshot of where you stand financially, understanding your income, evaluating your expenses, and take a close look at existing debt is exactly what we're going to be talking about today. This assessment is critical in identifying areas of improvement and setting realistic financial goals. You know, we begin a little lofty, especially at the beginning of the year, but let's make sure that they are SMART goals. You may not be mentally prepared to roll up your sleeves and look at your finances, but I promise it won't do anything but hurt more if you keep your head stuck in the sand. So before we get into the nitty gritty of what the financial assessment really is, let's get over the mental roadblock first. Now, when you start to write out your spending habits, you may get a sense of overwhelm or anxiety. Now, that's okay. Just don't run away from it. For me, I'll turn on a Pomodoro Lo-Fi video on YouTube and get straight to work. The music keeps me relaxed and the timer lets me know when I can just take a break, child. Now, just remember there is no standard way of dealing with your budget or finances. Everyone is different. Everyone has a different lifestyle and it's okay that someone else's technique may not work for you. Just make sure you have a budget that you can stick to each and every month. So, Making a plan that works for you. Once you've written down everything, call it quits for the day. After you've looked at your finances, looked at all of the credit cards, looked at all of the student loan debts, everything, I I just had to call it quits, you know, because I was like, I'm overwhelmed and this is enough for me today. But make sure you come back the next day with your plan of attack. You can't just write everything down and not have a plan to attack it. Now, let's get into the actual assessment. I start by looking at my expenses. When I opened my first checking account with SunTrust, my mom took me. It's now Truist, I believe. Um, And she actually taught me how to balance my checking account, something that most people probably don't know how to do now, something we really don't need to do for real, but kind of, but not for real. I would literally write everything that I spent down on the back of the um, checking, the checkbook. And then I would make sure that the balance in my account was correct. 
Now, as I got older and technology got better, I stopped doing that because you can just go online and just see all of your transactions, right? However, I started to take, or I am starting to take inventory again of where I'm spending and how much I'm spending. So my review phase may get a little tedious for some, but I really want to do money right. So every time I go somewhere, let's say just Target, because it's real easy to get in Target and get to playing around and you come out and after self-checkout, it's $300 worth of stuff real quick. So I also would look at my receipt. Now, if you are a true Target person, you know that you can just go on the Target Go app or whatever the app is for Target. And you can look at your receipt and you can see everything that you've spent at Target. And you don't have to keep a physical copy of the receipt. And let's just say I would buy coffee pods at Target. Well, I would look at those coffee pods on somewhere else that I would be buying groceries. Let's say Aldi because I love Aldi, okay? And I would notice that they're cheaper. Now, they may not be the exact same brand, but to me, coffee pods are coffee pods and I really can't taste the difference. Other people may see a difference, not I. So I just make a mental note that I am no longer getting coffee pods from Target because they are cheaper at Aldi and I go to Aldi anyway. Now, looking at your income, let's just talk about it because we are in the day and age where almost everyone has a side hustle already in some way, shape, or form. So just sit back and ask yourself, what can I do to increase my income that I will actually enjoy doing it. Everything you love now can make you money, especially on Beyonce's internet, you know? So you can always just get on the internet, do something you love and make some change. Do something strange for a piece of change, but not for real, okay? And I say do something you love because we're not in the era of sacrificing our mental health for a dollar. Um, Unless you just absolutely have to just get this money, but if you can, keep your, your 9 to 5 job, get a side hustle that you love so that you're not like mentally burnt out. The moral of that small little tidbit about the income is get a side hustle. Now, when it comes to like saving and paying off debt, let's just say you get a side hustle for 6 to 8 months, right? And you're putting everything from your side hustle towards your debt. Just keep your head down and I don't like to say act like you're broke because I feel like that's a paralyzing mentality that can get you stuck real quick, right? So I don't want to say act broke by any means. Instead, let's just say we're focused on our goals. After those six to eight months, let's revisit our debt and see where we are. Just imagine if you're if you're making an extra $500 a month that you can put towards your credit cards after eight months, you probably are, you probably don't have credit card debt anymore. You know what I'm saying? If you're putting $500 towards this one bill, you can easily pay down all that debt. Now let's move right along to your credit score. Just think of this as your financial report card. Okay. And we don't want D's or F's on that thing. Okay. Now, each home loan is different for what type of credit score you need. 
Some loan types just need a 580 credit score. Some, if you want down payment assistance or something like that, then you're looking at a higher credit score around 640. But of course, you know that you get all the perks and privileges, or maybe not all of them. Like, let me not be over dramatic, but a 720 score? A 720 score is going to get you where you need to go. Okay, now in this segment, we're going to delve into the role of home buying process when it comes to your credit score and learning how to obtain your credit score, check for inaccuracies, and discover effective strategies to improve and maintain that good credit that we're working so hard to build up. Now, let's refer back to my previous disclaimer I am not a credit recovery person. I'm not a credit repair person. Though I do have all of these people in my archive, a part of my closing team um, that I refer my clients to, I do not do that. I just simply meet with them once a month or every couple of weeks to really just discuss what's going on in credit. And I really want to take my time to understand the process so that I could be an intermittent person for my client and between my client and them. So that's where I'm coming from. I am not a CPA or an accountant. Now, if you have a checking account, you can simply go into your checking account and check your FICO score whenever you want to. Just know that the credit bureaus report every three months. Now, there are three different credit bureaus, TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. When you go get your mortgage loan, review or your application reviewed, your lender will be looking at all of those scores. What they do with those scores, I don't know. I don't know how they interpret that. I just know that they look at all of them. Now, getting your score from your bank or credit union will allow you to look at those scores ahead of time so that you don't get a hard inquiry on your credit for just getting a lender to look at this application so that they can tell you your score, your credit Union can give you your credit score if you ask them for it. They will always give you your FICO score on the mobile app. Now, if you have inaccuracies, you should start writing letters to those bureaus to clear those up from your accounts. You should definitely be calling anyone that you owe money to because they may have already sent your that account balance into collections, which you need to go ahead and call those collection companies and getting that taken care of. Now, when it comes to some of those collection agencies, um, it's already been put, put on your credit. So I would definitely negotiate with them on how much you want to pay them. I really can't speak to all of that, um, but we're going to get into how you can find out more about that in just a few moments. Now, if it's in collections, you definitely want to take care of that in collections and make sure that they give you a letter so that you can get it taken off of your credit report. Now, to improve your score, let's say that you're like, you don't have any inaccuracies, you don't have anything in collections, and you just want to work on improving your score. Let's say you do have some credit card debts. So like I said earlier in the episode, you definitely want to actively work towards um, paying off those debts. Once you get those debts down, you want to pay them all off and keep the credit card balances at less than 10% utilization. Casey, what does that mean? I don't really know what your spending limit is, but you definitely want to keep a balance on there um, each month so that you can continue to have an open line of credit. You don't want to have it. You want to eventually get to a point where you can pay it off every month. 
So if you know that you use a certain card for just gas or just your business expenses, you want to pay that off every month so that you're not carrying over a balance. And yes, okay. Now, for those who need some credit repair, there are free services that are reputable that are out there. I know on social media, a lot of people can get into like the credit repair people who are like, pay me this much and I'll take care of your credit or pay me this amount and you don't have to do anything else and your credit will be refreshed. Whatever lines they're selling you, don't believe that because oftentimes if you're paying for credit repair, they will jack up your credit first. That's been my experience. The person that I refer my clients to works with Operation Hope and it's a free service through First Horizon Bank. And they will give you a customized plan. They will help you work through and will look at all of your inaccuracies and any collections and they'll be able to review your account for you. If you are in Tennessee, um, no, I think I have a couple of, I know that there are Operation Hopes in several states. If you are in need of credit repair, no matter the state, just send me an email. My email is in the, the show notes and just say, need credit repair, and then put your state. Need credit repair in Tennessee. Need credit repair in Alabama. Need credit repair in Arizona. Wherever you are, just put all of that in the email, even if it's in the subject, with your name, email, and phone number. And that way I'll connect you with the person respective to your state. Now, rounding out this episode, we will be talking about how to avoid being house poor. Now, before we can talk about avoiding it, we have to understand it, right? Being house poor occurs when a significant portion of your income goes towards housing expenses, leaving little room for other financial priorities. It's like living in a beautiful home, but feeling financially stretched thin in every other aspect of your life. And we don't want that, right? We want to live in abundance in all aspects of your life. And a lot of people really do take social media into account there and they really get overwhelmed. But you don't need to do that. Stop living your life from social media and what you see these other people's houses looking like. Okay. Let's talk about the importance of budgeting when seeking mortgage approval. Many make the mistake of focusing solely on the max loan amount they can qualify for without considering their overall financial picture. Now, I know that when um, in the 2020s, 2021, 2022, a lot of prices, especially in Tennessee, skyrocketed so fast that a lot of people were sent to the top of their budget just to get a home that they consider to be the bare minimum of what they need. But if you have at all like some room to consider having a less bedroom or not having as much square footage in order to give yourself some wiggle room in your budget, then do that. Because your mortgage lender will, not that they're trying to be deceitful or anything like that. They want to get you qualified for the max amount because you can on paper afford that. And so it's critical to have a realistic budget that aligns with your financial goals. So if you know that you need a new home 
and you still have maybe some student loans that you're not finished paying off, but you know if you go to the max of your housing budget, then that will take away from the amount of money that you can put towards your student loans or put towards getting a new car or put towards a wedding or put towards your kids' college or education or their soccer stuff or football stuff or whatever they got going on, right? If you know that getting a mortgage of this price will hinder in other aspects, I would consider taking some steps back. Now, when crafting your budget, you should not just consider mortgage payments, but also consider all of the associated fees. Now, in your mortgage payment, you'll have your principal interest in your closing costs. They also will put in your escrow that will be in your mortgage payment will also be your taxes and insurance. So all of that will be in that price that they tell you is your mortgage payment. But some things you should also consider, utilities, maintenance, unexpected things that will break down as a homeowner that you will have to take care of. This comprehensive approach will prepare you for a full financial responsibility of home ownership because not only do you have to think about everything that's going to go wrong or go right in your home because a lot of times we'll move into these places and then we're like oh we'll fix this or we're gonna buy this but if you're house poor then you can't buy that extra pool or the extra fire pit out there or the play set out there for the kids or you can't buy the peloton that you want in your home because now you're house poor don't let the pre-approval amount dictate your home search. Evaluate your budget, set realistic goals, and that's why it's very important for you to have a realtor on your side to help remind you of the budget that we have said, and you'll, you'll want to definitely have a good lender that can understand where you're coming from in your financial future, and just having an all-out overall team that will help you with your financial goals, which will also include a CPA and um, a financial financial advisor, which comes with the Casey's closing team. But I mean, hey, um, send me an email if you're interested in buying or selling in the Middle Tennessee area. Okay, so building an emergency fund is extremely important because life is unpredictable and unexpected expenses may arise and having a financial safety net allows you to navigate those changes without jeopardizing your home ownership. And honestly, that wraps things up. And here's some of our key takeaways for today's episode. Our key takeaways are assessing your financial health, establishing a budget so you don't get house poor, check your credit score, and save, 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 pay down that debt. Now, these are the building blocks for a successful home buying journey. Remember, Actively managing your finances is key to achieving your home ownership goals. Thank you so much for joining us this week on the Banking Bunch podcast. In our next episode, we'll be exploring the exciting world of setting realistic goals in the home buying process. Stay tuned and remember that your dream house is within reach. If you found today's episode helpful, please subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Until next time, I'm Casey Freeman signing off for now. Bye, guys.